Thank you for tuning in to the Queer Stories of Q's podcast. My name is Sebastian Callahan, and I'm a junior at Syracuse University, and I'm a research assistant at the LGBTQ Resource Center. And we're here working to establish our first queer oral history archive, and a few of our goals for this project include amplifying marginalized voices that are often wrongfully spoken for or over. I'm pleased to be here with Jay Tafone, and I would like to extend all my gratitude to you for taking the time out of your schedule to participate in this interview. Please know that you may revoke your consent at any point during or after this interview. If you're feeling uncomfortable or want to take a break, just let me know. And your safety and well-being is our utmost priority, and we want to make that clear. Thank you so much again for taking this time to share your story with us. We greatly appreciate it. And without further ado, let's dive into some of these questions. Sounds good, Sebastian. Thank you. Okay. So, welcome to the Queer Syracuse Oral History Archive, and I am here with Jay Tafone. And, um, okay, so I'll get started with question number one. So, um, well, what are your pronouns, if you'd like to share? Sure. Uh, He, him, his. Okay. And can you tell me when and where you were born? Sure. Uh, born in Rochester, New York, uh, on a cold January day in 1981. Ooh, nice description. <laughs> and in what places have you felt most accepted, and who were you around? Wow. Ah. Uh, boy. Um, think uh that probably started or you know what one of the most notable times would have been in my undergrad days um as i started to establish a new friend group um that was a little bit more open-minded a little bit more accepting um that kind of primed me and got me to a place where i felt comfortable in my own skin and my own identity and felt finally able uh, to confidently own my sexual orientation and then speak my sexual orientation into the world. Um, So I think probably my alma mater, uh, my undergrad alma mater, um, and then going to grad school. um, My my time at Syracuse was incredibly formative um, and was, I think, the place in which um, I... I, I truly embraced, um, truly embraced all parts of me, and I did that uh, largely through the cohort of other um, education students with whom I went through my program. Um, I uh, wound up living with several of them. Um, we were part of a learning community in the higher education administration program, and. Um, there were other queer people in the program. I lived with another queer person um, and I found staff and instructors who um, 
who completely normalized my experience. Um, and that was really affirming. And I think um, just solidified right my own kind of comfort in in my skin, as I've said before. Um, and I think helped launch me into into the career I'm in, into the the relationship, the marriage that I'm in. Um, because because I had found that community and because I had found uh, that that acceptance um, of, you know, of all parts of me. Wow. Well, thank you for that. That's that sounds great. I'm glad your time okay. in Syracuse has been great. And yeah, where'd you do your undergrad? Sure. Uh, just uh, just south of Syracuse over in Ithaca, New York. Oh, OK. And yeah, yeah. what did you go to sc or grad school at Syracuse for? What was your uh, degree in? Uh, yeah, I'm looking at a higher post-secondary education. It's a Master of Science, and it's sitting on my wall right here. Oh, so, wow. That yeah, sounds nice. You know, <laughs> it's super fancy, right? Yeah. We're a bunch of college administrators, and that's what we went to school to learn how to do. And is that what you do right now? You're a college I student? am operating out of uh, Southern New Hampshire University Student Center right now, where I head up our Office of Student Involvement. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's yeah. That sounds great. I've heard great things about New Hampshire. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a beautiful place uh, most of the year. Um, you might want to avoid us in January and February, but that's probably true of Syracuse, too. So, yeah. you know. Yeah, we're in the same yeah. boat. <laughs> <laughs> so can you tell me when you came to terms with your queerness or queer identity? And do you feel comfortable sharing the ways you identify? Yeah, sure, 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 sure. Um, so what? Um, I think it was probably around junior year. I studied uh, abroad, studied away, and uh, I think started to kind of come into uh, my own uh, self acceptance. And when I returned from my senior year, um, I started coming out to others. Um, we had an annual tradition um, at Free Speech Rock um, back at my alma mater where um, on National Coming Out Day, folks would take the mic and share their story. And I, I don't know, and maybe some kind of a trance like walked up and outed myself to the campus community. And it was incredibly liberating and friends did it with me and it was, it was lovely. Um, I identified then, still do, as a gay man, um, but I have also kind of adopted the the, the title of uh, queer person as well. Um, and I, I don't think my gender is necessarily super fluid, but I do appreciate, uh, at least in my interpretation of the, the term queer, Right, that there is a little bit more flexibility in there, and there's a little bit more that perhaps is undefined and allows for some greater interpretation. And I just appreciate that it doesn't feel quite as limiting as as solely using the the gay title. So, um, so yeah, so that's uh, I don't know a little bit of my coming out and a little bit of how I identify. Yeah, that was perfect. That was literally incredible answer. I was yeah, I was following it exactly. Thank you so okay. much. Yeah, that sounds All great. Right. Yeah, that experience sounds really interesting too. And 
So what was it like growing up as a member of the LGBT plus community with your family and friends? Uh, it was very, um, uh, it was an experience in which uh, it was certainly not okay um, to to be out. Um, certainly not in my community. Grew up in a, a suburb of Rochester, New York. Mm-hmm. Um, I got the messages from my family. I got the messages from my church. I got the messages from my school um, that to be anything but straight was to be deviant, to be uh, on a one-way ticket out of heaven, uh, to be ridiculed and shamed, right? There was one guy in my high school who came out, I think our sophomore year, um, and was bullied so badly that um, he, he withdrew from high school, wound up getting his GED later on because oh, wow. it was just so intolerable to be himself there. Um, so even when people weren't explicitly saying it's not okay to be gay, there were plenty of implicit messages to get that point across. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I was talking with another current um, teacher administrator, and that reminds me of something she encountered where in some of her early work, she was doing social work. And um, she, um, she, um, oh, she she did something really interesting and threatened them with a $12 million lawsuit because a bunch of gay kids had uh, been dropping out of her school or out of the same school at the same time because of bullying. And uh, she actually won it as soon as she started threatening the case because another case had just been won. And I think in Schenectady, she, uh, Mm. they bent over backwards for her. So (laughs) different time. And and, uh, yeah. And I think about right that high school today, and I think about the fact that there are way more queer kids there, and not that that are there, but that are out there mm-hmm. and can exist in that space. And I know that's not true of all places in the country, certainly. Um, but I, I, there's a part of me that wishes, right? I could rewind twenty something years um, and experience what that, what that's like, right? To be wholly yourself. Um, you know, in, in those formative teenage years. Yeah. Yeah. I can, yeah, I can totally see. And can you tell me about what your connection is to Syracuse and how you're affiliated to Syracuse? We can go back to that just for a second, if you'd like. Absolutely. Sure. Um, so I did two years in a master's degree there, um, between 2004 and 2006. Um, while I was there, one of my grad assistantships was actually in then the LGBT Resource Center. Um, the Q was not part of the title back then. <laughs> um, and uh, we were, God, I don't even know if the house is still, I don't, gosh, I, it's been a while since I've been back. I don't know where the house is anymore or where the center is anymore, but we were, oh God, was it? Ostrom is that I've heard of it and I think you're right because now we moved to shine 
Um, You're in shine? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, my God. Lucky you. I know. We have a really nice room, honestly. There's a kitchen now, too. It's actually... Uh, it's, it's coming together. It's it's very wow. nice. Wow. But, yeah, I, I kind so of... I don't know if you... yeah. Sorry, sorry. Go on. No, no, please. Um, no, no, no. I was just saying, you know, it's... Um, I think we just moved here last year. But uh, it's, it's definitely a really recent move. Wow. Wow. It's... Uh... It's amazing for you to be in such a central spot. Um, the resource center back in the day, right, was kind of on the outskirts of campus and really required a bit of a commitment to get to. Um, and maybe that was intentional in part because it didn't necessarily out anybody who was visiting it because it wasn't in kind of as high profile or highly trafficked sort of place. Um, but I would argue probably also sent some messages about like its priority within the university structure um, and right the the willingness to elevate it um, and and ensure that more people in the community knew that it was an asset. I could, that said, it was a yeah. cool house and two floors and a nice living room for hanging out. A, cool porch on the front kitchen in the back offices upstairs like where the bedrooms used to be yeah it was neat yeah i'm sure i'm kind of jealous i never got to visit it but yeah i mm. heard in its final years it was starting to become a lot to maintain is probably the only reason uh that makes sense yeah and yeah <laughs> those old houses in syracuse yeah yes yes, <laughs> yes. And can you Sorry, that was a tangent, Sebastian. Yeah, yeah. So can you tell me a little bit more about your role as a graduate assistant with the LGBT Plus Center? Yeah. Uh, so uh, it was a little bit of like, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Um, we put out a weekly calendar of events um, at the university, in the community. I was responsible for compiling that. Um, it was a lot of programmatic support, um, the different student orgs that wanted to put events on, making sure that they had the supplies to do it, were helping to advertise, things like that. There was some minimal advising that I got to do. Mm -hmm. um, and gosh, uh, I think I did some research while I was there. <clears throat> uh, I'm going to date myself, right, because it was almost 20 years ago, so... Um, if I'm not entirely crisp on everything I did back then, it's just because it's been a little while. <laughs> um, more though than the work that I did, I remember the people with whom I worked and the, the amazing mentoring that I got, not just from the resource center staff, right? Our director, associate director, program coordinator, um, but also from like the staff and the faculty who would come by, who would visit, who also find community and fellowship in the space. Um, it was really, really special. Um, and just like a, a good place to network, a good place to feel like, yeah, like you didn't have to worry at all about how others might perceive you because you were among folks who just understood and accepted, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Special. Exactly. 
Yeah, can you tell me about some of those people or who you have in mind, like professors or, uh, you know, people who worked for the center back in the day? And uh, Yeah, so I, I wonder I wonder if you'll interview any of the former staff. That's why um, I'm asking, yeah, because yeah. I, I might have already interviewed them, you know. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> so uh, Adria Janig was yeah. our, our director back in the day. She's, I think, up in Maine now. Um Amit Tanaja um, was our associate director. He's out in the Buffalo area now. Um, we had Andrew Ogeri, who was our program coordinator, office manager. Don't mm -hmm. remember exactly what his title was, but kind of the the one who sort of kept us all running in the, the <laughs> same direction. Um, it was it was like um, a little queer family um, with our mom and dad, you know, taking care of these two 20 something uh, little gay guys. It was, it was, uh, it was wild, but, um, but they did a really nice job of kind of teaching us what it meant to be um, higher ed professionals, um, what it meant to kind of wear our identity um, in the workplace. I remember when I was considering applying for the position, I had the conversation with Amit around uh, whether it was something that I should apply for because I feared that doing the job and then having to list it on my resume would out me to future employers. And would that be a mark against me? And I, I will never forget the guidance that I got um, that essentially if an employer saw that on my resume, the resource center on my resume, um, and chose to disqualify me, then I wouldn't want to work for that employer to begin with. So in some ways, right, it was an opportunity and an ability um, to weed out those intolerant employers and to ensure that I didn't end up in a space where I couldn't truly be myself. So I wound up applying for and got that assistantship um, and still to this day have a mention of the resource center on my resume. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Cause I put mine on my resume recently and yeah, I wear mine very proudly now. Actually, I think it's my best job on my resume. <laughs> that's awesome. I'm so glad to hear that. Um, so can you tell me what your LGBT plus or what your gay experience was like at Syracuse? <sighs> I wasn't sure if I was going to talk about this, but sure. Um, like Syracuse as a I, whole, university yes. and the city. Yep. <laughs> so when I think about hetero teenagers, especially in TV shows and movies, I think about kids who go out, they go on dates, right? They, um, they, they have the ability to kind of meet other people, um, right. They, they make out, right. Like they have all of these kind of stereotypical romantic and sexual kinds of, you know, first steps, right. Um, in sort of kind of coming into their identity. And I feel like, um, 
for a lot of queer people of my generation, now I sound like I'm about 80 years old, but <laughs> for queer people of my generation who didn't have the safety to come out in middle school, in high school, I think we had a bit of an arrested development. Um, for me, right, I feel like my teenage years, right, my coming into my identity really uh, began at the end of my undergrad and certainly carried into um, my time at Syracuse. And so that was an opportunity for me to meet people, to date. Um, went out to Rain, um, the, the bar that I understand has recently closed, which kind of hurts my heart a little bit. <laughs> um, but it was an opportunity, um, I think, to to not just kind of own the identity um, of being a gay man, but also to to live it um, and to kind of understand um, what my sexual orientation was like um, in um, in real life, right? In 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 practice, mm -hmm. if that makes sense, right? Without, I guess, probably getting too uh, uh, too too. Uh, not safe for work. You can get as not safe for work as you want. As I, I'd love this interview to just be as honest as possible. You can tell me. Well, <laughs> I, I think I just, I, I worry about, right, someday my kid or my grandkid <laughs> is going to, to watch this video and be like, really? Dad <laughs> or grandpa did what when he was 25? Uh, <laughs> all of that to say, right, it was an opportunity um, where I certainly, uh, I, I dated um, and uh, felt comfortable for the first time being able to do that. And not for nothing, also having like other gay guys to be able to date, mm -hmm. like hadn't been uh, an option uh, really much before then. Um, and that was, that was really liberating. It was really cool to kind of be around queer people who were friends, but queer people who could also be lovers. That's that's nice to hear about. Yeah, I, I heard back in probably the time you went to Syracuse, there even used to be a gay fraternity, actually. And um, it doesn't exist anymore. Nope, it actually doesn't exist. We were trying to find out more about it. So if you know anything more about it, it would be great to hear about it. Actually. Yeah, I bet you I can find you some information. Yeah, because um, yeah. Yeah, we were trying to hear more about it, but it, it closed. Um, and honestly, it kind of closed in like a phantom-like way. Um, Jorge, my boss, he's been asking me to keep an eye out for it because my years are the years 2001 to 2006. So I'm mm -hmm. kind of interviewing the students from, or students, professors, administrators, anyone who was around in that time. Yeah, yeah. Let me, I'll... I can rustle that up, I'm sure, for you. Okay, yeah. We can, yeah. We can move on. And, okay. yeah, we can go to, um, I guess we'll go into, you know, m more of a broader subject. And we'll sure. go into how have historical events, you know, such as that have affected the gay community, you know, such as HIV AIDS, legalizing mm -hmm. gay marriage, um, you know, all of the you know, things that happen in our world that affect, you know, the gay community. How, how has it affected you? And yeah. how have you been able to overcome that as well? 
Well, um, I'm actually I'm gonna spin your question just a little bit, right? Sure. So sure. Um, the the 2015 Supreme Court ruling, right, allowing for same-sex marriage throughout the country, right, led to my own marriage. Um, we wound up getting hear. married. Yeah, uh, God, I think we got married a few months after um, we were officially allowed to. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, and um, it, you know, paved the way for us to ensure that our son um, uh, was was uh, jointly ours, right, and that. Um, any decisions that we were making, right, we we could make um, on behalf of the other and for the little one. Um, so all of that um, was super positive, right? So in terms of something to overcome, it in fact was, right, it was something that uh, made an allowance for, right, a pretty significant change in our worlds. Um, I think right my concern right now and i hope that this is a very dated concern um is just perhaps what uh what rights to same-sex marriage we have if um the supreme court's rulings on privacy um continue to erode so my hope is that on the federal level um, legislation will come around that codifies um, same-sex marriage, uh, as well as anti-LGBT uh, discrimination. Um, but uh, as of right now, um, right, end of August in 22, that's not quite the case. So that is what keeps me up at night and has me worried about um, our future as a family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know the times they change so fast. Mm, they do. And, they do. Yeah, and so how? Um, and can you tell me a bit about how else you've made an impact on for the LGBT community for social justice or anything else you can that comes to mind that mm. you're proud of that you can say like I did that, and I'm very proud. And I'm sure there's so much that, you know, there's probably so much coming to your mind. It's hard to pick one, but, you know. Oh, God, I wish I wish I had a lot that came to mind, Sebastian. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know, honestly, what kind of impact I've had. Um, and I would be surprised if it's significant. Um, I have tried my damnedest to live the sort of life that... I hope um, that I hope shows younger queer people, right, that that there isn't a single way in which you can or should be, um, and that if you're looking for, right, like a a more traditional way of operating, right, like uh, a spouse and you know a child their children right own a home um you know like that's not off limits to you and i think throughout my childhood teenage years all of that um i didn't think that that was ever going to be a thing for me 
Um, mm-hmm. And so I think I've really embraced um, the opportunity to make all of that a reality. Um, and I think just tried my best to kind of model for others, anybody who's watching anyway, that look like this is a thing, right? Um, if you're in my office, right? Like anybody who steps in, like there's a picture, right? Of us, right? There's pictures of um, the family kind of scattered around here, right? Um, and no, that's that's not my brother, that's my husband, right? <laughs> Um, and I think, I think that were I a student who were visiting me, right, um, especially 20 years ago, right, that sort of example, I think, would have been really affirming or at least assuring that, um, that this kind of life isn't out of reach, um, so whether that's impacted any of the students with whom I've worked, the hundreds and hundreds of students with whom I've worked over the years, I can't say, right? Nobody's written me a letter and said, hey, thanks. Thanks for having that picture in your office showing me, of you know, you and your kid and your husband. Um, but I do it anyway, right? Because it's, it's nice to have and in the hope that maybe, right, um, it normalizes the experience a little bit for another closeted, perhaps queer kid um, who isn't sure maybe what the path forward looks like. I'm sure it does. And I can tell you, you've had an impact on me just from hearing this interview and you'll definitely impact others from, you know, the other people who will hear this interview, especially, you know, hearing your experience about coming out on the Hill. That was just really interesting. Mm -hmm. And it's nice to hear those powerful things and especially how you're able to, you know, finally, like, especially, like, I've, I've interviewed people from, you know, a time before you, too, and mm-hmm. they were in a time where it was the 70s, and, you know, they couldn't have photos of their family on there, you know, it was, and it's, it's good to hear that, you know, we're moving in the right direction, albeit slowly, but yeah, definitely trying to move in that right direction. That's, yes, completely, Sebastian, completely. <laughs> So I guess we'll start wrapping up almost, actually, but we'll go into more. Um, I have a few more questions left, but uh, can sure. you just tell me about how. Um, um, let me I'm going to move ahead to different questions. So go for it. What's the importance to you of queer people having a home, a chosen family or etc.? Hmm. I mean, <laughs> Uh, God, I think, I think for so many of us, certainly of my generation, right, acceptance among our our bio families wasn't always a given. Mm -hmm. Um, It certainly wasn't the case for me. Um, And so the found family really, um, in my own coming out process was essential, right? To ensure that I had a foundation, I had people who had my back and I knew I had some unconditional love in my world. I think the center, I think found families, right? Are so important because they do provide that base from which, you know, queer people and specifically queer people from Syracuse, right, 
have have that support, um, especially when it may be lacking, um, you know, at home with family, uh, with bio family. Um, I also think there's just something really special about found families, right? Because they're they're our choice, right? Um, when it comes to sexual orientation, when it comes to gender identity, right? That's, that's something that's just kind of baked in, right? It's who we are, right? And that's, that's how we are, mm -hmm. right? Um, and as a kid, right? Like it's regularly told, right? Like it's a choice, right? You can choose to be gay. You can ch choose not to be gay. Mm -hmm. No, uh-uh. <laughs> but I, I, I can choose, right, who I continue to associate with, right? And if you, family, are toxic in my world, right, I can choose to say no to you, and I can choose this friend group, these people who love me and who unconditionally support me, right? And I can choose to embrace them because they choose to embrace me. That's really special, right? And I don't know that straight people fully appreciate or get why, right? Why our found community is so important and so integral, I think, to our, to our identity. Yeah, yeah. that's super interesting to hear actually. Yeah, I mean, I see that a lot at Syracuse, especially, and it's good to hear that the sender helps like facilitate that. And especially, I see that a lot actually around me as well. And honestly, yeah, and it definitely is like a blossoming gay community here in Syracuse that you see a lot more prevalently. So Great. we'll go on to, so what are some things that bring you joy? <laughs> oh boy. Um, I mean, my family, of course, uh, my dog, he's great. Um, you know, wins at work are always nice. Um, <laughs> love live theater. I love live concerts. Oh, yeah. um, I think um, <laughs> traveling is great. Um, spending time with friends. Um, both queer and non-queer um, really can be very restorative um, and definitely appreciate those experiences. I'm also an introvert, so sometimes just a little bit of alone time and quiet time um, can be really lovely as well. Yeah. I'm surprised you're an introvert because you're such a well-spoken person. Like. <laughs> I consider I, uh, myself an introvert, too. I like to say that I'm an introvert who plays an extrovert at work. Um, so, um, you know, we can we can turn it on. We can make it work. Uh, <laughs> but at the end of the day, like, I typically need to go and recharge my batteries a little bit. Yeah, exactly. With a good book or something. <laughs> <laughs> something like that, yeah. And so who are you grateful for? And are there any words you'd like to share with anyone? And by grateful for someone, I mean um, also like thinking about 
people who were good role models to you, obviously your children and your husband and yeah, anyone else you want to reference? I mean, I, you know, I've, I've probably talked about a, a few people already, but because I'm in a Syracuse way of mind, um, let me say thank you to, uh, to Greg Victory, who was part of the career team at Syracuse back during my tenure. Um, he's since moved on to Duke. Um, and several of us called Greg mom while we were there. Um, she, sorry, <laughs> using wrong <laughs> pronouns here. Um, he um, did a fantastic job of taking us in um, as soon as we arrived, bringing us into the community, introducing us to people, and checking on us to ensure that we had what we needed um, and that we always had like a an older, wiser gay person watching out. <laughs> At one point, uh, <laughs> I remember making a comment uh, that um, I would never date anybody who was as old as 30 only to realize uh, that that mom um, had, I think, just turned 30. Um, only, you know, I think five years older than me at the time, maybe six. Um, but that age difference at that time, right, just meant the world because she was so much older, so much wiser, so much smarter, um, and so much more nurturing of all of us little baby gays who had just turned up uh, for grad school. Um, an amazing, amazing mentor, role model, um, hero, um, and a fantastic, fantastic ally to have. So I'm incredibly appreciative of Greg and all the work that mom did for, uh, for all of us. Yeah, that's good to hear, honestly. I, yeah. I've never heard their name before, so I'm, mm. I'm interested. I want to go and interview them now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can send you some contact info. Oh my gosh, that'd be great. Yeah. Sure. Thank you so much. So, is there anything else you'd like to add about your overall experience as a queer person or, you know, not regarding that, but in Syracuse? <laughs> uh, not off the top of my head right now, Sebastian. Okay. I, I just want to say thanks because this has been a lot of fun to reminisce and... You've been a great listener. I really appreciate that. Oh, well, thank you so much. You've been the best speaker. You know, it's it's amazing oh. to hear.